is that emails that are on a fourth to sixth grade reading level perform higher. Now, within that email, uh, one thing that you do not want to do is start off your cold emails with hope all is well, hope you're doing great, like all that fluff. That's, <laughs> you don't want to do that, all right? Nobody's going to reply to you. However, Turn it up. you're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready, because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe. The one request we tell our guests. Stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fans. Prepare to turn them up. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Morgan Ingram, a three-time LinkedIn top sales voice and director of sales execution of JB Sales Training. He is also the host of the podcast and YouTube channel, The STR Chronicles. He is a must-follow on LinkedIn and Instagram for daily sales and sales development content. I'm excited to welcome Morgan to the show. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited. I'm super excited to talk about this topic because I totally think marketing and sales should be best friends and (laughs) the ultimate team members with some orgs. It isn't a thing. So I wanted to dive into that today. But I wanted to start and say, like, how did you get into like sales? Yeah, absolutely. So most people, they don't come out of college, but you know what? I want to go into sales. (laughs) You know, it's, it's not a thing. There's not, I mean, it's evolved since then, but I know when I was in college, there was no courses or classes on sales. It started to evolve. So shout out to Kennesaw down the street, but really how I got into it was starting out on my journey of being a sports agent. So I originally saw Jerry Maguire show me the money and I was like, yo, this is it. Like, I want to go be a sports agent. And so when I graduated with sports management and finance, I realized at the end of that journey, I didn't want to do three things. One, I didn't want to go into finance. Two, I didn't want to go into ticket sales. Three, I didn't want to go be a sports agent, but I knew that sales might be something. So I started to do some research I ended up networking with someone here locally at the Atlanta Tech Village, which has a lot of tech companies. And I found about this role called an SDR. And so how I got into it is I found the number of the VP of sales. I cold called her and they said, all right, like come in for the interview because I made the cold call. And that's how I started out. That's an awesome story. I think one of the underrated things is cold calling like to get a job. I think people underestimate that too, because it's like, cold call like in cold email like is actually applicable to everybody like like a a cold email can change someone's life so yeah i want to dive into like an anatomy of like what do you what is like a good cold email for to read like a good first cold email to someone like the anatomy of that email yeah so i think a lot of people have different takes on what is a great email and a lot of it has to do with the research and insights that you have. However, these are just best practices and tactics that anyone can take. So first and foremost, when you're thinking about an email, you want to have the subject line be less than five words. Like That's like the very first thing. You don't want this to be super long-winded. The next take on that is you want to keep your email 
two to five sentences on a cold outbound perspective. And if you dive further into this, what we've seen from data and anyone can go look this up is that emails that are on a fourth to sixth grade reading level perform higher. Now, within that email, uh, one thing that you do not want to do is start off your cold emails with hope all is well, hope you're doing great, like all that fluff. That's, <laughs> you don't want to do that, all right? Nobody's going to reply to you. However, you want to change it. And the whole concept here is leading with value, not with fluff. Now, how can you do that? So one of the ways that you could do that is a phrase called, I can imagine. And the reason that that works in starting an email is because you want people to visualize what you're talking to them about. And again, everyone's solution is different. I'm just giving you the formula here. There are no silver bullets. However, by starting off with, I can imagine, you can go a lot of different ways. I can imagine as a VP of marketing, I can imagine as a VP of sales, or I can imagine within your industry, this is a current obstacle. You want to start off your intro with something that's going to pique their interest in whatever reason that is, right? Could be from the website, could be from the LinkedIn. Then once you've identified whatever that reason is on your reaching out, the next step is to have a value prop. And then you just could copy and paste multiple value props based on what you've gotten from your cold calls because we just mentioned that. And then the last piece is the call to action. And so what we've seen from Gong data is that you want to have something called an interest call to action and more so what an interest call to action is is would you be open to learning more? Are you curious to take a deeper dive on this topic? Those are things as well. So that is a structure of an email. Obviously, there's nuances within it depending on your information. But if you follow those best practices, you can start moving forward. And my last thing on that is when you're going and doing that email, the best way to think about it is be brief, be brilliant, be gone. And if you think about that way, that's how you're going to deliver better emails. Yeah, that was a straight fire right there. Um anybody should go and stop and pause and rewind and write all that down. How do you test out like sequences with like reps? Like how do you come up with like a formula to like say like, this is the best way to do it inbound and outbound. How many touch points have you seen are like work? I mean, there's obviously there's no silver bullet on any company, but like what, are, what have you seen as an anatomy of a good, a good sequence for a rep? And so are we talking, you mentioned two things. So outbound and and inbound or just outbound? Because I, I would say it differently depending on the, the scenario. I would go inbound first since we're talking, this is more of a marketing podcast, but I, I'm interested in both to see like what the key differences are as well. Yeah. I mean, so for everyone listening in, right, you're on the marketing side and you're doing everything you can. You're bringing in the leads. You have the webinars, you have all those things going on. So now it's like, how do we make sure that the full cycle reps, the AEs and SDRs book these meetings. One of the most beneficial things you can do is from a marketing perspective is to see what are the top five downloads that you have or basically what's happening from an inbound perspective. What I would suggest anyone to do before I talk about the actual cadence is give your reps highlights of those webinars and give your reps highlights of the eBooks. So they can take the highlights from the eBooks and put them inside of their emails. So they're not long-winded and they're basically sales-ready messaging and they're contextualized to the audience. That's first and foremost. Now, different outbound campaigns, I've seen tons across the board. I would say you're doing typically four to eight steps. And why I'm saying four to eight is because the inbound itself is going to be different, right? If someone 
filled out their information and said, I want to schedule a meeting. Well, that's only really four steps, right? Versus someone who may have gone to a webinar, that might be eight steps. What you really want to think about here though, when it comes to the cadence flow is the first five steps lead to 80% of the responses in your cadence. And that's just based on data. So if you, if you know that, right, then it's like, what are those first five steps? What do they need to be? And then you can let it ride from there. What I would tell you is the first five steps, you could start A-B testing. The number one step in every, especially if it's inbound, should be a LinkedIn connection request every single time. They've already been familiar with their brand. They already know who you are. So getting them connected on LinkedIn is fantastic. And it leads to an opportunity to do a voice note or a video later in the future. Then the second day, so day two, I'd send an outbound email. That email would be the format that I gave earlier. And then now you can, again, follow up on that. The third touch would be a call. So I like to do them pretty tight. Day one, connection request. Day two is an email. And day three is a call. That call if they don't pick up, I'm going to leave a voicemail and, the, and that same day, I'm going to send an email. So my voicemail is telling them, hey, go check out that email. And then everything can be spread out from there. So day five, I'll do a call. Day eight, I'll do a call. Day 10, I'll do an email. Day 15, I'll do an email. Day 20, I'll do a call. So I start spreading it out more and more. I'm very tight in the beginning because I want to get that success because based on the data, that's where you're going to get it. That's amazing. And I, I wanted to dig into one thing is like, how do you like, how can like a, a full cycle, like inbound rep help score themselves and make sure like they are setting up the call for right way? And how could like a, a manager train someone to be able to like, talk to these different type of channels too, because mm-hmm. like for inbound as well, like, you can have someone come in through like an awareness based channel, which is like, you know, is just it's a more of a sale and less of like a, a, a full hand raise. And then there's like a Google search, which is like a full on hand raise. So like, how could, how could managers and reps like train themselves to be able to do different channel type of talks to prospects? And, and when you're saying that the channels, are you saying, so we're just saying on the prospect again, not like they got the meeting and they're, in the out, they're basically inbound discovery call. They raised their hand, they filled out a form and they, yep. they handed off to the rep they have to have a, a conversation with this person and the rep knows the channel, but it could be like one lead comes in and could come from like a, a Google search. And the next lead comes in and comes from like a Facebook ad where they're, they're interested, but they don't know fully. Yeah. So, so you now have, you scheduled a meeting, you're on the call and you want to run a discovery, the discovery between an inbound and an outbound rep is, is a little bit different to start out the conversation, right? Because this person had some intent. Now, to your point, Daniel, what you're talking about is that if they did a Google search versus I'm raising my hand, that's a completely different conversation. And so what you could do is to start it off every single time is to be like, hey, typically when I run in a conversation and someone comes in inbound, uh, the gauging on their interests, I like to get an understanding of where they stand. What exactly are you looking to get out of me from this conversation to make it impactful? So what I'm doing is trying to figure out what exactly are they looking for? And you have to use the word exactly so that you can find the right information to then follow up. 
Then based on what they give you, you then can ride the discovery from there. The only difference in that, me asking that question is there is a before part is if I know, for example, that they went to, let's say a webinar, for example, and maybe it was a very, it was a highly popular topic. I may be like, hey, I've been talking to a lot of people who recently went to this webinar two weeks ago around this topic around, let's use ABM. And so typically as people have been researching it, these are a couple of things that we found. Curious to see like what brings you to this call today. So what I'm doing is I'm leveraging the topics that I have. It could get, and I think a lot of people have different opinions on this, but it could get kind of creepy. Say, hey, I know that you Google, right? They're going to be like, what the heck, right? So, but if they've downloaded something, if they've gone to a webinar, if they've raised their hand, those are things that you can reference. But if they had intent, which is a different type of signal, I'm going to ask what exactly are they looking for? And then if I could get notes from the inbound rep, that's awesome. But I'm always going to ask people on an inbound count, hey, what exactly are you looking for? to get out of this conversation and then telling them after typically this is how we'll run the conversation moving forward. That's where I've seen a lot of benefit from the inbound perspective. That's awesome. And one thing I wonder, I'm interested about is like, how do you like incentivize like the middle pack reps to become like the star reps? What are like some ways to incentivize them? Cause there are like those high performing reps. And then there's those reps who like, have that potential, but they, they need like an extra boost or they need like some coaching or they need something to get to the level. So what are, what are some ways do you take like a medium pack rep to a, a star rep? Yeah. Okay. So this is for all of the frontline managers out there or people who are directors, but still need to frontline manage. The best way to figure it out first and foremost is ask your team what motivates them. So, so what happens is that when a manager gets in their role, they sometimes, not always, sometimes will only focus on what motivates me. So, you know, I had one manager say, oh, okay, like I'm motivated by money. Why are another reps motivated by money? I don't know. <laughs> Have you asked them what they're motivated by? No, I haven't done that, Morgan. Okay, well, there's no way we're going to be able to figure that out if we don't ask. So by asking the rep, hey, like, what motivates you? What gets you inspired? What's going on here? That's first and foremost what you have to do. Now, take, let's take a step further here. And the next step you have to figure out is what is their goals? And if you're able to figure out what their short-term and long-term goals are, then you can figure out what's going to motivate them. And also the last piece of feedback before I go into the tactical piece is asking each B rep right? Because the B reps and how you coach them is what separates a, a good and a great team is ask them, Hey, how do you like receiving feedback? Now, the reason that's important is some people may, Hey, you know what, Daniel, I like receiving direct feedback. Or some people may be like, you know what? I, I don't, not really like direct feedback. I need indirect, or I'd rather get feedback. And it's through a tutorial video or something like that. Third party source. I don't know. But the whole thing is you need to ask that because now it allows me to have more direct conversations where you're in the middle of the path. You told me your goal is to get promoted in six months. I can be like, Hey, you said you like direct feedback. You're not doing well at all this month. So we need you to step it up. Here's why. If it's indirect, it's like, okay, ask them questions to get them to discover. Wow. Okay. This is why I'm off. When it comes to having middle of the pack reps. It's about asking questions to them to figure out where they stand, where are their goals? How do they like feedback? You know, what motivates them? 
and then using those factors to motivate. It might be, well, not now, but it might be getting them concert tickets. It might be getting them music festival tickets. It could be having lunch with the CEO. If you find out what drives people, then you can use those incentives to get them motivated and get them moving in the right direction. But you can't do that unless you do the three things. You have to figure out what motivates them. You have to find out, all right, like what kind of feedback do they want? And you also have to figure out what are their goals. And then that's how you can start driving those people in the middle of the pack. And that's what I did for my team when I was a manager. I think that's an awesome point because I think like, I think it goes to the same thing when you're doing offers for like new prospects and stuff. Like, cause like a lot of time people just say like, Oh, I should give my, them a ticket to like the masters. Cause they might, our audience might like this without asking them like, okay, maybe they actually want a product discount. Maybe they want mm. a something. So I think that's like even a good formula to do to like as like prospects or like potential clients, like what motivates them like to go take the next step. Exactly. Um, you don't want to send somebody, you don't want to send or do something for someone and they're like, eh, <laughs> hey, 50 bucks. And everyone's like, eh. and it's like, wait, it's money. It's like, well, that's not what motivates them. It's something different. And you got to ask. Yeah, that's such a great point. I want to get into the topic of like, how do you get marketing and sales aligned on like sales targets? Because like, this is like a problem, a lot of our orgs. And like, mm-hmm. I think that it becomes a problem when like, marketing says like, sales says bring in this many leads, but like, then the leads become crappy, then there's fights. But like, when you, <laughs> when you, when you, when you align on like a revenue target, both of you and say like marketing agrees to bring in this much pipeline and we will agree to like close X amount. Mm. Like what is your like way you've done that with like other marketing teams to just align on like similar goals? So first and foremost, for everyone that's listening in and know the majority of audiences, marketers here is figuring out how are you being measured? right? Because if you're being measured just on leads, then obviously you're going to be focused on leads and that's what you're going to be driving because that's the bottom line. So it now becomes a conversation for the marketer before I go to to sales to be like, hey, like I'm being just on leads here. We need to start driving towards revenue. And that's probably a conversation with the C-suite on we need to change this direction because it's going to cause dissension with the sales development program and the sales program. And also there's cases where the SDR program rolls up to marketing and you want to make sure that you're very revenue focused, not lead focused. Based on my previous experience being at Terminus, uh, we always said less than 1% of leads turn into revenue. And so in order to make sure that the team is aligned, there has to be ongoing communication and meetings. So I'll give you all a real time example. So when I was an SDR manager and in leadership, to make sure that we were revenue focused. This, the CMO at the time, his whole metrics was gauged on how much pipeline is the SCR team going doing? And then what are the leads that we're handing off? How, what is that turning into closed pipeline? And so every single week, we would meet with the CMO and go over our outbound campaigns and, and see, okay, like how many clicks is this content getting? What is the reply rates? And then also add their two cents to it as well. So we were continuously working together on what we could do. And I'll give this an- another tip here, and this is anybody can do this, is 
from the marketing perspective, and even SCR should probably be doing this and sales should be doing this, is proactively going to marketing and being like, hey, these are the objections we're facing. This is what we're hearing. Can you make content around this? Typically, marketing will just be in a silo, but go create it. And then sales will just complain and not ask questions. So if you're a sales rep and you're facing these objections, go ask marketing to make content on it. And now you can send that as follow-up. If the sales team isn't being proactive, then marketing can go to the sales leaders and be like, hey, what objections are you all facing? What are you hearing right now? What competitors are really taking you out? Okay, let's create content around it. Maybe you're looking to get a new industry. Okay, let's create a content piece around a new industry we're trying to go after. So it really is taking the information from the frontline reps, especially the SDRs who have the most interaction with the customer and taking their insights to create continuous content that's relevant to the marketplace and you don't have to guess. And by doing this weekly or even monthly, you're now building this continuous communication piece. But as I said, my last point here is it comes back to as a marketing leader, if you're being engaged on leads right now, that's the first thing you have to change is going to your organization and be like, hey, we want to be revenue focused here because if, we're, if I'm lead focused and they're revenue focused, there's obviously going to be a dissension here and we have to solve that. That's amazing. And I think this goes into the point where I want to go next is like, how can like inbound and outbound work more closely together? Because I think like a lot of orgs, what I've seen is that like, they both have separate numbers. So they feel like they're silo groups where I feel like Mm -hmm. if they work together, like, I mean, this is less than like an enterprise org because you need like that ABM strategy to get like, like I've seen like, people fight over like attribution of leads and like outbound should take this, they know inbound should take this. So how, (laughs) but also I think like marketing can provide a lot of content, like you've been talking about for the outbound org to like be better at outbound. So I'm interested in like, what are some ways that like inbound and outbound can work more closely together in your experience? I think that's a great question. And when you're when you're saying outbound inbound, is that on the sales front, or is that even how is inbound marketing working with the outbound sales reps? Because I see that in like two different ways. I, I I have a I I mean we could go both ways. I think one big way is like marketing and outbound, and then the other way is like inbound and outbound reps. Like I think that's like yep. those two. Because I've actually been noticing one thing like recently is like outbound reps like are like closers like they go and attack where inbound webs like sometimes like get into this mode of like they use like hand raisers so they're not as attackers so like if outbound reps like work together with inbound and like share like their what works for them i feel like inbound reps could like close like even faster so i i'm interested in both those things about like marketing and outbound and then the the reps like working together yeah so outbound is a different mindset and that's why from, like you said, an inbound is a completely different mindset. Outbound, you're out hunting. You're like, okay, I got to make this call. I've got to send this email and nothing's coming to you. So you got to get after it. Inbound is like, okay, like you said, I'm used to the hand raiders. I'm used to taking the orders, right? Essentially. So that's what I'm focused on. That's the hardest part. Now, when it comes to the outbound perspective and the inbound perspective, Everyone sees inbound and outbound differently. Uh, What I will say, though, is if I'm looking at it from an outbound rep perspective, this is what our org did, but I think it's different. Like We had only one person committed to inbound. 
and everyone else was outbound. So this person only had to focus on the inbound piece. Yet, it all depends on how much inbound you're getting, right? And also, there's like hybrids too. And they have to have the inbound and you have an outbound quota and you're just one rep. What I will say though is let's just go with the example we have here of you got the inbound reps and the outbound reps. It's really important for the outbound reps, if they can, to do a lot of peer trainings. So, and that's led by the manager saying, hey, we have someone who's really good at cold calling on the team. He's going to do a training for everyone. Or we have someone who's really good on email. She's going to do a training for everyone, right? So everyone's going to be different. I think that's the best way to learn because it's all about the mindset for the inbound rep. And typically the outbound rep already has an inbound mindset because they've already been doing it. But it's really important that they're self-driven workshops within the organization to move them forward. And if you're looking at it from a marketing outbound perspective, again, everyone is going to be different. So there's no one answer, but I feel like one of the best ways to really get it done is obviously if there's territories, then there'll be divided out between territories. But let's say that there isn't. Easy way is to set up a round robin where then you can give accounts to people and say, hey, you all just go after it, find the insights. You even can have marketing grade the accounts that came in and then hand those out accordingly as well. I think there's a lot of ways of going about it, but when you have that marketing outbound piece and then you're handing it off to the reps, you just want to make sure that everyone is on the same page and they're able to deliver the things they need to deliver. So I would say more so on the inbound outbound side, it's doing more internal collaborative workshops. So the, the outbound reps can start sharing best practices, which is good because now you can figure out who your next leaders are. And then your inbound reps are taking that information to become more outbound because essentially inbound is just a warm outbound. And then the marketing outbound piece, they're doing their thing. Round Robin's a great way to set that up. And now you're just figuring out, all right, based on these leads, we're going to send it to these people. And then, then it's up to them to go do the work on it. And I think as long as there's expectations and communication, that's the best way of going about it. And on the piece of like the marketing working with outbound, because I'm I'm actually really interested in this because I feel like there's so many opportunities for like marketing teams to like partner with outbound orgs. For example, like when you're talking about like objection, like content or mm-hmm. like events, like I've seen like lately, like inviting people to like events or like if they have like a like let's say an ROI calculator that they can give to outbound that they can send in an email. Like what are some ways you've seen like, like marketing and outbound partner together? Yeah. So, I mean, the number one way was events in person events, but that's not (laughs) happening anymore. So you really can't point to that. You can still point people to virtual events. You know, one thing that we would do is look at our top accounts and then by looking at those top accounts we're going after, inviting those key people to an event. You could obviously invite someone to a virtual event. I think another thing a client was doing this is inviting people to wine tastings or whiskey tastings over Zoom, high quality contacts you're looking to get in front of and marketing using obviously the marketing dollars to get in front of them and the sales reps inviting those people that are in mid funnel, or you're looking to schedule opportunities with, those are a couple ways in a virtual environment, you can start moving forward. I'll give two other examples. One is you can use a direct mail service. So start doing a more of a direct mail campaign. And again, you could do a lot of stuff there, but that's also something. 
And then if you're looking at it from a marketing perspective is making sure that marketing is providing some type of air cover. So those typically could be ads that they're serving up to the account as well. But these are ways that marketing outbound can work more with the, the sales reps and have more of a collaboration. Yeah. I mean, I love the events and I actually really love the direct mail piece. Like I think like personalized, like reach out from like a rep would be such a good way to partner. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is like, like how can reps like best, like prioritize like accounts? Like what have you used like for like a prioritization in the past, like to make sure like they're reaching out to like high quality and it's not just mm. like I'm, I have a list of accounts and I'm just going to grab and <laughs> like, cause I, I've seen a lot of orgs. I think like, I'm just going to go and hit up whatever's in my territory. I, there's no like strategy. Burn the, burn the forest is what we call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is the follow up here. Is it from an inbound or outbound perspective? No, I, I want to go outbound here cause I'm we'll interested in like how they, how outbound mentality prioritizes it. Yeah. So this is, where, this is where marketing could come into a massive play. I'll explain what anyone can do and explain how marketing complements it. So when you're looking at it from an outbound, and let's say you have your list of accounts, it's super simple to break this down. It's tier one, tier two, tier three. Now, there's some organizations who have like tier six, but I'm going to keep it simple because I don't know what everyone's tiers are. So tier one, that's focused on tailored. So these are the names or key accounts you're looking to get in front of. These are the logos. If you get them, they mean a lot to your business. The Googles, the Apples, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Best Buy, et cetera. Like the big, big Coca-Colas, right? These are big logos you're trying to get in front of. And it's going to require due diligence to get in front of them. These people probably aren't coming inbound, right? So you have to do some work. You have to do your research. You have to show them that you know them. Typically, tier ones will account for 10% of the batch of accounts that you have. So keep that in mind, and we're going to come back to that point in a minute. Tier two is targeted. So these are where you can create relevant base messaging to certain buyers. So these are, for example, if I'm going after a VP of marketing, a CMO, a director of demand gen, they all care about different things. So I'm going to reverse engineer what they're challenges and priorities are to then create more emails and phone calls to get meetings with them. So again, it's all about reverse engineering. I'm not doing a lot of personalization here. I might add a couple of splotches of it, but I'm not doing full on note customized. I'm not doing that. Targeted probably amounts to 80% of the meetings you schedule. And the same goes for your cold calls. You're not doing a lot of personalization. You're just making dials. You're like, if I get this person on the phone, I know how to talk to them. Tier three accounts for the last 10% of those accounts. Inside of your account list, there might be some accounts that aren't the best fits. So don't spend a lot of time obviously working them. What these for are for practice. So if you want to try out a new cold call formula, you want to try out a new voicemail, you want to try out a new video, this is where you're going to allow yourself to truly stand out and try out something different. Because if you mess up on it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's a tier three. If we go back to tier one, the best way to strategically do it is build out a spreadsheet of accounts you want to reach out to per week. So let's, your, let's say you're like, I want to reach out to 40 contacts in the quarter. So take that 12 weeks that you would do, and then you're going to schedule out how many accounts you're going to reach out to per week. And that will help you strategically reach out to the people that you're looking to get in front of. So if you're looking from an outbound perspective to, to segment out your accounts, 
Tier one, tailored. Do your research, have them on a spreadsheet. Tier two is 80%, so that's the targeted approach, relevancy at scale. Tier three is practicing. These are people that, hey, if I schedule a meeting, I do. If I don't, I don't. It doesn't matter. That's the way I go about it. Awesome. And how do you usually like tell like reps to find those like targeted ones and how can like leaders like help those reps like prioritize? Because I think like a lot of the times it's like they might not have as much data in those accounts that they need. Like what are some approaches that you've seen that to make sure like they are, these are targeted accounts? Like, yeah. So first and foremost, marketing comes into play here and you can have certain tools that can help you gauge the score of accounts. So you can buy a list, have marketing score the accounts and they can hand them out to the reps for name lists. So now the sales team doesn't do anything but reach out. I believe that's one of the greatest things that marketing can do is building out the account list based on the data they have, scoring it and handing it off to the reps so they don't have to do anything. So that's like the first part. Now, let's say if you don't want to do that. So for the sales leaders, they need to bring all the reps into a Zoom room and go through, all right, these are our top customers and here's why. They're in this industry, they're this company size, they have these signs and triggers. So when you're doing your research as a sales rep, these are things you want to look for to show that this is a great customer we can have. And the sales team should already be doing that, but if they're not, now is the time to do it because you want your reps to understand what is our ICP or ideal customer profile. The best way, again, to do that is through marketing, buying a list, getting it scored out, plugging in the input that would lead to this. That's, it's just a lot easier. But if you don't have that, have the sales leader come up there to be like, hey, this is what we're going to focus on. This is why these are our top accounts. Let's talk about it. Let's dive into it. And let's figure out these accounts we can go after. Awesome. And one thing I, I'm interested in is like, how do you get like marketing and sales to agree on like that ICP? Because I've also seen like a lot of orgs where it's like marketing thinks it's an ICP, sales <laughs> thinks it's an, it says this ain't, we can't sell to account like this. Like, how do you get like that ICP to be agreed upon? I, so how to get it agreed upon is you want to create a document called the rules of engagement. This essentially is the is the golden rules is we've all agreed on this. This is what we're moving forward. So the best way to get that is you have to bring in a resource that we haven't mentioned customer success. Customer success is going to be able to tell you if this is not a good fit or not, right? Because they're consistently working with the customer. So you, in order to have a real alignment, right? Cause if you think about a CRO, right, they are normally in charge of the customer success program as well. So let's bring customer success in, let's bring sales in, let's bring marketing in, and let's figure out our ICP. Throughout those three groups, you should be able to identify it. If not, then there's a whole other issue there. <laughs> but customer success is what you need to figure it out. That's the missing piece of the puzzle here. I agree with that. I think a lot of, I think a lot of marketers and sales people just don't talk to customer success and they're like the golden gems of the org. Like they, yeah. the front, they're like front line with customers. Like it, it's, it's amazing. I'm interested in what, like, what is, is something that like most like SDR orgs you've seen are doing wrong today? I would say number one, not leveraging sales now at all. You know, I do a good amount of trainings and people are not leveraging it to the degree that they could. And there's low hanging fruit there. 
leads that follow your company that's a tab you can see all the people that follow your company on linkedin you can also build lists of people that you've scheduled meetings with business that you've closed saving searches the usage rate on sales nav is so low so i think that's the biggest miss on sales teams or, or sales development teams is they're not leveraging sales nav and they don't have it as a part of a process it's normally one or two reps that are using it and not not everyone not everyone else is if every single rep inside of the team was using sales nav they would be scheduling a lot more meetings than they would number two is not reading their emails out loud so the manager is literally coming into a room and saying hey this is our campaign. Let's read them out loud to see if they make sense. You know, I'll ask folks, hey, can you read that email out loud? Like, hey, like, would you reply to that? No. All right. So why has this been sent 500 times, right? You wrote it out. Cool. But now read it out loud and say, does that even make any sense? Why would this person we're talking to even care about that email that we're sending? So I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is most people in their orgs are not reading their messaging out loud to be like, does this work or not? And I would say the last thing is for orgs is not leveraging cold calling more. And we've just seen that cold calling has not saying it has a drastic uptick, but it started to start creeping back in. People are starting to get individuals on the phone. And I think one of the business misses is not doing proactive coaching sessions around cold calling and objection handling and like really drilling this in their head and having it more as a behavior. And again, the more you have it as a behavior, the better. So there's a couple other things I could go into, but I think those are the main ones on what's happening within SalesWorks. I saw one of your posts the other day that I like on this cold calling and it was about like video kind of cold calling and like, oh, like videos. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. Like, cause I think like, that's an underleveraged like strategy a lot of people aren't using because video disrupts a lot of feeds, especially on LinkedIn. Like I get a lot of like I would say bad cold DMs and like <laughs> yeah. on LinkedIn. Like I'm wondering like how could reps stand out in that LinkedIn inbox? Cause like there's there's are so many opportunities because there's so much bad out there. Um, yeah. I mean, so you said it. I've been doing a muffins of Morgan segment every Saturday. And I brought three people on one, a VP of marketing, another CMO and another the CEO. And typically they'll send me 10 to 15 pages of all the emails and DMS they get. And every single time we can only find one that really stands out and that's really digging. So the reason I say that is because it's consistent every time and people wonder where are the A's and I'm like, that's the whole point. There aren't a lot. <laughs> So if you take a couple seconds to develop B plus to A material, you're going to get a response. And if you, if you don't get a response, at least they'll remember you and Matt reach out to you in the future. So these are things just to keep in mind. And yes, video, voice messages, that's something that a lot of orgs are not doing enough of. I think one of the reasons is that you have to be first degree connected. So that might play into a factor. But what I will say is if you want to stand out, Video voice notes are the best way to go because inboxes right now are not looking pretty. So if you can follow up with something or lead lead with something like that, people are going to appreciate you more. You're going to get more engagement and there's all the stuff that you want. Yeah. One thing I think is also underrated that 
I've seen reps that I've responded to. So I'm just telling you what I've responded to. Are the reps that actually have like gone out of their way and spent like two to three weeks engaging on my content without even like saying anything in my inbox and then mm-hmm. like coming into my inbox and saying something? Because then I noticed them like five or six times showing up on my post. And I'm like, oh, this person's actually giving value on my post every single time. I feel like that reciprocity to like, go at least like hear them out where like the people who slid into my DMs didn't even get a chance to know me, assumed that my problem is X. Like I'm like, ah, I'm not going to even like, yeah, Yeah, exactly. You're going to, you're going to take a step back. Right. And so Mm -hmm. if you come, if you come with an insight, even if again, if you come with a video or a voice note, that alone is standing out. And that's, that's the whole focus here. Yeah. And I think one thing I'm interested is like, do you ever like send things that like, cause I think one of the underrated uses of content is like something that will help someone with their, their job today, content that helps someone with their job. Like if someone came up to me and gave me an insight in my inbox that could help me be better at my job today, I'm way more likely to like talk to that person. Cause I'm like, Oh wow. Like they just helped me like do my job better. So how can like sales reps, like, I mean, ma- sales managers, train reps to like learn how to be like i actually will twist this question a little bit like Mm. be like personalized but not ultra personalized that they're not taking so much time out of their day do you know what i mean like i think there's like that personalization piece but you also have to hit a bunch of like messages so like how does how could you be personalized but seem personalized but also do it at scale so on linkedin any like I'm interested like in LinkedIn or email like what like what are some like quick tweaks that could change an email from going from like blah to like seem a little bit yeah so from a managing and coaching perspective I think there's two main things number one is providing the reps with some type of process or structure telling people exactly hey write your email and say these exact words, it could prevent some people from doing what they need to do because it's in another person's language. So if you want them to be personalized, it's got to be their style. So you want to take a step back and figure out what's that formula. I shared a formula on email and that's one way you can do it. I'll share this formula. It's very simple. It's called the 10-30-10. And what it stands for is in the first 10 seconds, state the reason on why you're reaching out. 30 seconds for value prop, 10 seconds for call to action. Now you could take that same exact thing I told you, and that's a formula. You just need to plug in whatever the compelling reason on why you're reaching out to that person, right? But number one, it comes down to the structure and the formula. Number two, if you're a sales manager or you're a coach, is to take the information that you're getting from an email perspective. So, like reps are probably prospecting you and show your reps great examples of how it caught your attention. So now they can see in real time other ways that you can be doing it. Ultimately though, it comes down to the rep and being genuinely curious and actually caring because the coach can give you everything possible, but it's up to you to be genuinely curious and be thoughtful in your outreach. That's not something that someone can can give to you you have to actually care about what you're doing and care about the other person and on the end. And that's something you have to do a self self assessment on. I love that. Like empathy is so underrated and like marketing and sales these days as well. Like 
just one or two more questions before yep. we wrap up is like I heard you talking on I think Clubhouse about like STR scorecards and like how like STRs could be graded on like their their calls are set up. Mm-hmm. I'm interested like like what's an a basic way to set up like an STR scorecard that could be like scalable to an org like so they can like become better on phone calls and learn how like what a good phone call is when they reach out. Yeah. So the SDR scorecard, we had built this maybe last year. And one of the things that, and even as a manager, I had the same thing, is understanding how should a cold call go? And then how can we obviously grade it to make sure that we're filling in gaps and can coach to it, right? So this is all for the sales managers here. And even marketing, if you have SDRs, you can even do this too. So it all go, starts from the beginning to the end of the call. The, at the beginning, it's what was their powerful intro and did they even do one? Right. So if there's no intro, you don't get a point there. Another part of the scorecard is did they have a pattern interrupt in their intro? If they didn't interrupt a pattern, that means that the call could initially go bad because now they sound like everyone else. So it's intro. Did they have a pattern interrupt? The next one is did they say that they had a reason for the call? Then the next part of the scorecard is did they include the value prop? The next part of it is is there a question that they asked as a follow up or what their call to action was? Because you can't just say, hey, this is what we do and then just stop, right? You got to give, you got to lead them. You got to ask a question. So that's part of the scorecard. Then once you get to that point, it's handling objections. And so you could easily do this from one to five. So it's like, okay, you got objections after you asked that fault question. You got a four to five. You did a really great job on handling objections. This is where you could have tweeted it. Or yeah, you got a one out of five in those objections. You just got obliterated there. So that's the objections piece. And then the last piece is closing. Like, how did you close the call? And there's points on closing because did you get the email address? Did you get them to accept the calendar invite at the end of the call? Did you get someone else to be on the meeting? Did you ask the qualifying questions if we have that as part of our criteria? These are things you want to score. So I'll go over that one more time. At the beginning of the call, I'm scoring the intro. Did you even do an intro? Then if you did the intro, was there a pattern interrupt? The next part is, what's the reason for the call? Did you say that? That's, if you don't say it, like, then we don't know what the reason is, and that's points off. Value prop, did you include a value prop? Did you have some type of call to action so we could accelerate the conversation? How did you handle the objections? And then how did you close the call? Those seven things I just mentioned are ways you can start scoring your card for your cold calling. I think sales training is like so underrated these days and people aren't doing stuff like that. So I think anybody should start stealing that formula right now. The last thing I want to leave you with is some time for you to show where people could find you and anything you want to drop right now. The stage is yours. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So what I will say is if you want to get more in depth, you want to get your questions answered uh, I have a session called Muffins with Morgan. It's on Twitch. You can follow me at Morgan J. Ingram. And if you got any direct questions for me, follow me on Instagram at Morgan J. Ingram. You can come find me on LinkedIn, but I have a connection limit. So I can't, I can't connect with you. So my, my bad on that. We're talking LinkedIn about it. But those are the two places that I would t- recommend for you to reach out. Cool. Yeah. And you, I know you have some good sales training too. So I think like you, if anybody, if you're looking to get sales training or stuff like that, go follow uh, Morgan on Instagram and LinkedIn because he drops fire content all the time and it, it, you won't be disappointed. 
So thank you for joining the show. This was awesome. There's so many nuggets of gold in it. Absolutely, Daniel. I appreciate you inviting me and happy to be here.